As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of But First Brunch. We pour ourselves a couple mimosas and dive into pop culture and local stories to dissect the heart of the story. I'm Catalina. And I'm Jessica. And first off, we want to get this started by talking about Puerto Rico and Mexico. Um, Hurricane Maria and the earthquakes in Mexico have just rocked those parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So if, in case you wanted to help, the first lady of Puerto Rico, Beatriz Rosselló, started Unidos por Puerto Rico, which is an initiative to help her people. You can go to unitedforpuertorico.com to donate anything you can. Um, through PayPal kind of seems to be the easiest way. You can like link bank accounts and stuff, mm -hmm. but PayPal is the easiest option um, for us in the States. And then really exciting. I'm, obs I'm obsessed with this. I love Beyonce. And this was just, it just made me love her even more. So Jay Balvin, who is a Colombian rapper, has this banger out right now called Mi Gente. And Beyonce dropped a remix with him of the song Thursday Night. And her portion of the proceeds are going to uh, hurricane relief charities for Mexico, Puerto Rico, and other oh, affected Caribbean wow. That's yeah. awesome. And it's an amazing song. I bought it. I've listened to it, like, not even joking, 20 times already. It's yeah. an amazing song. So go buy it on iTunes, you know. Absolutely. $1.29 is a drop in the bucket. But when thousands of people spend $1.29, it fills it up the bucket. It can really help, especially because their economy is going to be largely affected by everything that's going on. And think about it like this, too. They're going to be out of power, from what I hear, oh, some people can be up to, or out of power for up to six months. Yeah. Six months. So anything will help people. Anything. Like and Absolutely and anything. For like donation drives around Jacksonville. I mean, there's several organizations that have started getting together supplies to send to Puerto Rico. Um, so just help any way that you can. That country, it sucks that, you know, people are still saying that they haven't been able to hear from loved ones to make sure that they're okay. It's so, so tough. Just do whatever you can to, to help out our fellow Americans. Yes, please. All right, so we wanted to talk about the – this is the only thing we're going to talk about today, by the way, because there's just so many layers to it. Uh, last week, the president made some surprising left-field comments about specific NFL players. No one was expecting him to say this. So to give you um, a little background, last year, then San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick started taking a knee. Well, he started sitting, and then he said that was too disrespectful. So then he eventually started taking a knee during the national anthem to protest police shootings of black people. More players started joining them in their own protests. Others came out against it, unsurprisingly. And supporters say it's their First Amendment right to protest. Critics say it disrespects the flag and military service members. So here is what the president said last Friday. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! A son of a bitch! 
that's, that's a, it's an intense statement to make. Ain't that something? Our president, not, not, didn't say jerk, didn't say bozo, called him a son of a bitch. I, like, what world are we living in right now where that, that's diplomacy? That's the way a president speaks. You know, I was kind of having a conversation about this with somebody yesterday. And although I don't, I would never condone a president saying that statement ever, ever. But you have to give it to Trump and the fact that Trump was never ashamed of who he was. And it's like something that comes out of his mouth like that. At this point, it's sad. But like, I'm just like, that's Trump. I mean, great. He owns his insanity, but he's still insane. Oh, yeah. He's still insane. There's no excuse for it. But like, you know, it was it was an intense statement. And I was like, okay. But at the same time, I'm like, God, it's sad that it's like the norm. And he's perpetuating the fact that people are completely missing the point of these these protests. Oh, yeah. You know, Colin Kaepernick made started making this peaceful protest, by the way. Not uh, not aggressive, not inappropriate. Well, like, there was no... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, there, there was no swearing. There was no foul language used. Right. It was just kneeling and you know what? And, and from what I know, too, is like, he actually started out by just sitting on the bench. And in order yeah. to show more respect, and he even said this, to show more respect towards, mm-hmm. like, the military, that's why he started to kneel. However... That's what caught the most attention was the kneeling as opposed to sitting on the bench. Yeah, and, but th- like even though he did all of that, to show a little more respect and not to offend military members because right. he said he didn't want to. It had nothing to do with them. That didn't stop people from reacting. Um, and so the Jags, like we were all waiting to see how the NFL was going to respond on Sunday because Trump made a statement on Friday and we're all like, whoa. Like Saturday came around. We're not really hearing much from, you know, right. NFL officials or anything. And the Jags were up first Sunday morning because the London game against the Ravens meant they had a 9 a.m. kickoff. And, you know, they come out, national anthem is playing, and they are all, most of them are locked standing with locked arms. Um, Some of them are kneeling. But in the middle was Jags owner Shad Khan. I cannot tell you how, like, I, I, I still feel this, like, immense pride and emotion over seeing that. Because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting it. Like we all, most of us know that Shad Khan donated, along with several other NFL owners, a million dollars to either Trump's campaign or Shad Khan specifically donated a million dollars to um, Trump's inaugural committee. Mm-hmm. So people think like, oh, and he, he donated, he therefore, right? So they think the donation means full on support, no matter what he does or says. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean BFFs, right? And that, like, and this was proof of that. And I just, I felt so proud seeing him out there with the rest of the players i mean telvin smith to his to his left mercedes lewis on his right and i felt um, i was a very proud jags fan that morning then he released a statement afterwards saying our team in the national football league reflects our nation with diversity coming in many forms race faith our views and our goals we have a lot of work to do and we can do it but the comments by president made it harder that's why it's important for us and personally for me to show the world that even if we may differ at times, we can and should be united in the effort to become better as people and as a nation. And I think that was probably the best statement that he could have made in this, you know, because there's just so much going on. The least that we can do with each other is to show each other love and stand side by side with each other. Yeah, because when he when he when Trump made that statement, it wasn't. It, like, it sounded as though he was talking at one person, but at that point, he's criticizing not just Colin Kaepernick, but anyone who stands for, you know, equality and humanity. 
It has, it has nothing to do with politics, in my opinion. It's because the, the purpose of the protest was that black people are being treated um, unfairly by police. Police brutality, police excessive force, all of that. And there's proof for all of that. You know, Sandra Bland, Philando Castile, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner, Walter Scott, who was shot in the back by a police officer while he was running away, unarmed. Do not come and tell me that is not excessive force and police brutality. Our sister station, because we do work for 97.9 KISS FM, our sister station, Sports Radio 930, was able to talk to one of the Jags players, Marquise Lee, and uh, get a little of his insight from that morning at, in uh, London. I had a chance to chat with Marquise Lee, Jags wide receiver, and we started off by asking Marquise to take us inside the locker room when they decided what they were going to do for the national anthem. What went into the decision in the locker room before everybody stepped on the field? Um, I mean, our main focus is we knew a lot was going on um, throughout the process of, of going into the game. So our main focus was just staying together, uh, make sure we had each other's back, make sure we was all up to par. Um, and that's pretty much what we did, stay together and um, stick together for the most part. So it's really nice to know that, because normally like the Jags PR people have a little bit of a tight leash on their players when mm-hmm. it comes to stuff like this. Um, and it was really nice to see that several players felt like it was their their obligation to come out and not just, you know, come out in support of their fellow black people. Like every most players were like, that was not OK for you to talk like that about us, about any of us, about anyone. Right. So let's let's talk about the let's talk about the reactions, because just I'm sure we, we have like a similar social bubble on Facebook. Um the reactions were very split, but all of them were pretty passionate, I would say. I huh, Every single one was very passionate. I there were many um essays that I have <laughs> that I have come across. People posting the Odyssey on their Facebook yes. as their opinion. Yeah. Yes. But the thing is is that it's like one person could be completely sway this way the other person can sway the opposite but they're never gonna influence each other i feel like you know it, and it, and it's so it's tough when you see all this stuff going on on facebook and it's like i don't i it, it just puts me in a weird position because i'm like i don't know how to respond to anyone right now in the midst of all this because it's just when there's just so much chaos when chaos is really loud nobody hears anything well, what's really funny is that one of the biggest reactions was like, oh, we're protesting the NFL. Like, we're not going to watch. And Thursday Night Football had a 15% increase in viewership. Huh. Well. <laughs> right? <laughs> so there, so much for that protest, right? Okay. But I think one of the most important reactions that I was looking, like, actively looking for, because I was cutting through the BS, like, people just being nasty, name calling, being outright racist. They got unfriended real quick. Um, but I wanted to hear mostly from veterans and active duty members. And I feel like there's a 50-50 split on what they thought of them fighting for basically Colin Kaepernick's and all these other NFL players' First Amendment right to peacefully protest. I mean, what did you see in your in your friends group? Um, For me, I personally saw a lot of, like, leave politics out of sports. That's what I saw the most. Because, I mean, I think maybe your generation, you're a little bit older than I am. Yeah. But... So for me, people are still kind of like still even figuring out their political opinion. And so it was it was more just like, I'm just trying to watch my game here. Yeah. Is what and I I've, saw. The and most I've got of. a lot of friends that being a little older, I have friends who who have served. I've got I'm friends with some of my parents' friends on Facebook. 
Um, they've served much longer ago, um, served in the Vietnam War, which was a heavily protested war. And there were there were people saying, you know, I might ne- not necessarily agree with what they're saying, but I agree with their right and I support their right to peacefully protest because that is their First Amendment right. Mm-hmm. And I get why I understand why some veterans would say you're disrespecting me and you're disrespecting the people who died fighting for the First Amendment right. But it's still a First Amendment right. So you still have protest. the right to. Yeah. So you're, yeah. they're using it. They're exactly. using what they fought for. And if you're upset and if these people are upset that they fought to defend someone's First Amendment right to protest, then you shouldn't have fought in the first place because you had no idea what you were fighting for. I'm sorry. I'm a huge supporter of the military. My dad served. My brother served. I have several friends who have served. But if you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it, don't sign up to serve. Because this this is the First Amendment. First freaking amendment, and this is the most important one that we have. And if you don't like it, don't fight to support it. Don't fight to protect it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one that kind of like, <laughs> the one that we, I saw everywhere, you probably did too, was that people were saying it was disrespecting the flag. Taking that one, see, it. that one I really have mixed feelings on. And, and mainly because you see hot models in American flag bathing suits on the top of magazines. So it's like... If you want to say you're disrespecting the flag, like, let's be real and be honest. We're on the all the other places that we've seen our yeah. flag. Like, I shouldn't be able to like people shouldn't know that my ass looks fantastic in a pair of American flag chubbies if that's disrespecting the flag. Right. And and the same thing. Like we have crumpled up. You can um disposable plates and napkins. They have American flag print printed on them for the fourth. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The July barbecues and those get tossed away. So, so if we're going to bring you down the bat, like we can bring it down to a whole lot of things. We can get really honest and talk yeah. about all the nitty gritty. And and if, at the end of the day, the flag is a symbol. We don't worship the flag. We're not Hindus that are you know, we don't touch cows. We we worship them. We like they're absolutely sacred. The flag is a symbol. It's a very important symbol. But we we're not praying to the flag. Right. Like it's not that sacred. Right. So I, just, I hated seeing those conversations. It's like, don't disrespect the flag. Someone's farting in their American flag chubbies right now. Is that disrespecting it's true. the flag? It's true. All right. But circling back a little bit, I mean, I see so many people are like, leave politics out of sports. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what we're here for. But think about it. It's like, think about how many celebrities use their platforms in order to get a message across. Like, of course, like they have a large following. And not to mention, there's a pretty large history of um, protesting of, sports. Yeah, of protesting yeah. sports. I mean, thinking about it, Muhammad Ali, he was one of the oh, best known American hero. athletes. He took a major political stand. And although it wasn't like a direct stand against racism, you know, he refused to be drafted in the Vietnam War. So, and a refusal Which that. Which is pretty 
that's pretty complex and very that controversial is. That because is. people are, are dumping on President Trump now for do- for draft dodging. Right. Yeah, but but he threw but, didn't he threw his like medal into his Olympic medal into the into the river or something. Something crazy. Like, yeah. Mama yep. was a badass. And then you had John Carlos and Tommy Smith. They made made headlines like across the world. Um, when they raised the Black Power salute on the podium after winning the 1968 Olympics. So that protest brought them death threats and they were like expelled from the games. And so it's just it's not uncommon, you know, and now recently you have NBA players like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, a whole bunch of others. They helped the Black Lives Matter movement pick up steam. They wore supportive shirts following the death of Eric Garner, who was choked to death in New York. So there was there's a whole lot. And so I, I would imagine if I had a, a very large audience or if there were people i was on a large platform and i was passionate about something they're gonna use it and they have a right to use it i think so too i mean like our like we have a platform granted it's not a lebron james size platform but i feel like we both feel this this responsibility to talk about things that deserve a louder voice than the one that they have which is why obviously we're talking about this um because in all of this and everyone reacting to basically what we've done, reacting to Trump's statements, um, reacting to the Jags and the rest of the NFL um, coming out, it's to get the point across of what Colin Kaepernick started last November, is right. that black people are treated unfairly in our society. And you, someone can deny that as hard as they want, but there is proof. A white person is not going to walk past someone's car and have the person in the car lock the doors because that white person looks suspicious. Right. A white person is most likely not going to get followed around a convenience store because they think that they're going to steal something. Right. Like it's, it's true. It's the truth. You know, and, and in my opinion, at the end of the day with all this and with like with all this noise like for me, I'm just like, you know what? Let's just love people and respect people and respect their opinions and respect their rights. Like that's all we need to do, people. It's just love our neighbor as ourselves. That's simple, simple, simple. You can just go to an island in the middle of nowhere and you can stay there and be miserable while the rest of us love each other real hard. Yes. 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 months ago i was just scrolling on instagram and somehow i stumbled upon hers and i was like okay like i like her posts they were just really bright and vibrant and it was really cool and come to find out she was like a local photographer a blogger did a bunch of like cool crafts so i was instantly just drawn to your page and i thought that was really cool but in the back of my mind I was, like, a little jealous. I was, like, thinking to myself, like, ugh, her life looks perfect. <laughs> you know? As just, we like, all do on Instagram. Yeah, it was like that. Like, I'm following you because I'm kind of annoyed. <laughs> you know, one of those. <laughs> I hate following. God, Jess. <laughs> but it wasn't really because I'm not that type of person. But at the same time, I was, like, secretly, like, a little envious. But... Usually, we see these bloggers and we think to ourselves, gosh, like their life looks perfect. Kind of forgetting that bloggers are real people. Right. And you know what happens when someone's a real person is that we have real problems. Exactly. And I remember shortly after I followed you um, at church, they do these videos where you can basically see somebody's story their testimony they send it and it happened to be 
yours. And I was like, I literally just followed that girl. And I had this moment where I was like, whoa, I was not expecting that. And it really just kind of opened my eyes to what somebody else was going through. And it, and it wasn't even, I mean, I think you share about it on your Instagram, but I couldn't even tell. But it was really inspiring to me. So I wanted us to be able to share her story with, with yeah. everybody else. So thank you so much Thanks for coming so in today, Lindsay. Lindsay Almeida, local photographer and blogger and uh, hate follow inspired. <laughs> <laughs> because my life is perfect. <laughs> oh, just so perfect. Yeah, I love what you said, though, already, because we forget, especially with the blogging world, that's a job. You're You're doing your job. And so a lot of times there's a separation between quote real life and what you post out there to the world however um and I've been blogging for 10 years oh wow which is crazy because when I started in 2007 everybody had a blog everybody and their grandma had a blog do you have a live journal no exactly everyone else did though and now there aren't a lot of us left that were yeah. doing it at that point um and one of the things I've learned in those 10 years is that you can be real on social media. You have to be okay with some people not liking that, obviously. And my blog is sort of a mix of my photography work, but also my real life. And yeah. so I've been able to sort of work that in. And I think that... Um, more people should be willing to be real on social media because we sort of see this fake life, I guess, that we think people are living. And it, it kind of leads to the whole comparison. Yeah, like yeah. what's, that, what's that saying? Don't compare your life to someone's highlight reel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think without realizing it, a lot of social media influ influencers is such a silly word it sometimes. Really but I mean, what else do you call it, you know? <laughs> Um, they're perpetuating that without even realizing it. I, think. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's intentional. It's just sort of the well, some, sometimes it is. Yeah, okay. So okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll be the one to throw a little shade. Sometimes <laughs> they definitely know what they're doing. But I kind of want to go back. Like, how did you get into photography? Where'd you grow up? So I grew up here in North Florida in Callahan. Do y'all know where? Oh, Callahan. Callahan. I don't. Know. I have no idea. She grew up in the country. <laughs> um. It's up past the airport, so it's north of it's a small town. My dad is a pastor, and he's sort of like the pastor of the big church in the small town. So uh -huh. everyone knew us. Of um, course. It was a good experience growing up overall, but I never felt like I really fit in. Um, and I don't even know exactly why. I just never really gelled. And so I always wanted to leave Callahan. So I came all the way to Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> Packed up all their wow. bags. Kissed everyone goodbye. See the big world. <laughs> Bye world. Hops on bus, goes down the street, gets back up. That's my bags and went to JU. That's where I went to college. And I actually studied broadcast journalism. I thought that I wanted to be a reporter. I did an internship here at one of the stations and then Right after I graduated, got a job at another station. And it just so happened to be the year that we had multiple 
hurricanes and tropical storms. I think it was like 2004 or 2005. Yeah, Floyd. Was that the so year of Floyd? Yeah. Or maybe so, earlier. So it was this year? Wait, I'm confused. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you just did this. <laughs> so I was working at the station as um, an associate producer, which we all know pays like $4 an hour. Yeah. It's brutal. And one morning I was driving in. And I had to be there at 4, 4 a.m. No one else is on the road. There's a tropical storm coming. And I was kind of like, why am I doing this? I, I just didn't have that passion that you guys obviously know you have to have for that type of, of business. And it was like just me and police officers on the road. And I'm like, what am I really contributing here? Um, so I got close to the station, and there was this road that floods. It's notorious for flooding out oh God. all the time. Well, I didn't know it yet. <laughs> and so I drove through this big um, puddle, but it actually started to come into my car. The water did. And my car just, like, everything was like, oh, everything turned off. Oh, no. And I <gasps> was like, why am I doing this <laughs> So I immediately started looking for another job at that point. I just realized basically I didn't have what it took and I just didn't have the passion. And so then I was like, well, what am I going to do? I had no idea what to do. Well, I had minored in photography, but I don't think I had the guts to really pursue it as soon as I had graduated. And so after that (laughs) career mishap in the the beginning, I was like, I'm going to try and see what I can do with this. And so... um, I got a camera, a digital Canon Rebel digital camera, oh, all right. and started uh, just kind of reading up online. You can kind of learn anything online these days. So you were self-taught? I had minored in uh, in photography at JU, yeah. so I, I really, I knew the basics, but we weren't really using much digital um, oh, equipment. <laughs> that's old, true. <laughs> But it's true because even in high school, like your photography classes, like they're teaching you how to go and like those film and stuff. Exactly. So I knew all that, but that wasn't really the thing. Yeah. (laughs) So so I started doing that and um, started a business and it was slow going in the beginning. But really, the blog helped a lot. It helps me. And it's still 10 years later is the number one refer of business that I get. It's pretty cool to see that even even though technology has changed, social media has changed, it's still chugging along. <laughs> Wait, so then when did you meet your husband? Was that before or after you started blogging? It was actually right about the time that I had started a blog. I The year before I met him, I, um, I had been engaged to this guy that I had dated for 10 years off and wow. on. Wow. So, oh, God. So brutal. <gasps> and um, we were having the big small town wedding. I think there were like 700 people invited. Um, oh, my. That's everybody. And- That's everyone in Callahan. <laughs> Come on down to the church. <laughs> and we were supposed to get married on a Friday. That Tuesday, I called off the wedding. Oh, wow. So it was like, you know. Runaway bride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a couple of days that takes a lot of guts. And then wait, horrible. so you met your husband shortly after that? So, so that 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, yes, uh, less than a year later was when I met Anderson. And I was in a place where I was like, mm-mm, like, you stay over there. Not interested, not interested. And um, I feel like it was just, it's just sort of a story of redemption in a lot of ways because I was very broken and angry and all the things that you are after a really bad experience like that. Um. Yeah, so we met a few a few months later. We it's such a cheesy story, but we met at a church single group. So oh, oh, really? I love it. <laughs> I didn't know those actually worked. <laughs> My mom tried to get me to go to those. Like, nah, mom, <laughs> sorry. I've seen the boys. I've grown up with them, and I'm not interested. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you never know, it Jessica. <laughs> Okay, now. I'm actually going to invite you to the next one. Let me tell you about this Bible study. <laughs> we got married in 2008 and have lived in Jacksonville ever since. He does motion graphic design, so he's like a oh, movie guy. So he's crazy talented. He is super creative. Does he contribute to your blog too, like the pictures and stuff? That he's The ones that I see of you? Yes, I always wonder when I see the pictures of it, when it's just like just you or like you and Kingston, yeah. I'm like, I wonder who took that. Yes. No. <laughs> it's usually him. I have a friend that sometimes will do it as well, um, but it's usually. So like you hand him the phone and he knows immediately what to do. Like you, yeah, don't, even like, need, you don't need to say anything. Just real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, but when you do that, do you ever feel like. Like, are there times you're like, like, let's not worry about taking pictures, let's just enjoy this? Or do you find yourself, like, stopping whatever you're doing in the moment to be like, oh, this is going to look really good for, like, a blog or a post later on? That's a good question. I, I've heard a lot of people say they don't want to miss the moment, which I totally get. Sometimes you have to put your phone away and not think about it. But I enjoy capturing the moment mm -hmm. on a personal level because I love having, as a photographer, I think I value those images maybe a little differently than someone else would. Um, so I love having that moment captured. There are times, though, of course, that it's like, okay, we're at a funeral. Put your phone away. <laughs> you do oh not. My God. You do not. <laughs> and that's the end of the interview. Thanks for coming. <laughs> God. <laughs> no, I promise. I have a line that I will not cross. <laughs> Are there any like local places that you like to go shoot? So many. I actually love the Beaches Town Center area. Are you mm. guys familiar with like that Atlantic Beach? Oh, area? that is my oh, favorite yeah, so area to so go. Cute. That new staircase that's over there in my surf and paddle. Yes. So cute. Um, Do you know, are you familiar with Hotel Palms? Yep. In Atlanta? Yeah. They have a really fun um, mural on one of their, there's a lot of just really cool areas at the beach. And I think because we live over there, that's sort of where 
we spend most of our time anyway. So, well, what about your son? Because how old? Is, how old is he? Six and three quarters. Uh. <laughs> He's in first grade this year. Um, wants to be president when he grows Aww. up, which I'm like, no, <laughs> please don't get into that. Like if you Stay do, away. you don't get to tweet. That's, That's the only rule. So true. I will manage <laughs> your PR. You'll no, be the momager. kid, and I feel like in a lot of ways we're such typical parents of only of an only child like we're like overprotective and you know just like helicopter in a lot of ways but it is what it is but I love reading the posts that you do about him Kingston is his name and he seems like so rambunctious he is he is he's extremely active (laughs) you see that in the positive light no he is he's really active he um he loves attention as only kid again though you know of course like Mm-hmm. Not that there's a stereotype, but there is, and we're perpetuating it. So <laughs> it's a real thing, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> We've accepted it. We made peace with it. No, he is. He's a lot of fun. I don't know that I could handle another one. <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel like there are those things that God just knows. It's mm-hmm. like it'll, it'll happen if it happens. But it, it, right. does he like to? Does he like to get on like the crafts and the photo shoots that you guys do together? He does. He really enjoys it. He likes to be in the middle of everything, though. Um. I did a television segment, no, two Mother's Days ago, and it was just like easy crafts you can do with your kids. And so they were like, why don't you bring your son? And he was five at the time. And I was like, it's live television. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He was so into it. Loved it. Yay. We were just talking about that like the other day, how sometimes that's like risky. It could be hit or miss. You You never never know. know. Yeah. When when they opened up to him, we were talking about gluing something to make a cute little craft. And and he his first line was, a dot is a lot. And they were like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's because we're always telling him just a dot of glue. Oh, my God. There's a lot. That is hilarious. Right? It's like he learned he was listening to me. Yes. That's great. So like the tagline for your whole like your blog and just kind of like your whole online persona is life is messy, life is beautiful. It sounds so that's like the most probably relatable thing that I think I've seen any blogger do. But how did you how did you end up coming up with that? Like why was that like the tagline for you? So I realized a few years ago that I was um kind of only telling part of our story. I talked a lot about our personal life, but it was always like, guess what we did this weekend? Or here's some happy news. And I felt like if I was honest, people weren't going to read. And so I just sort of turned off that real side. And um, what actually happened was my husband got laid off from his job. And it was sort of the first like, really major crisis that we had been through together I mean we didn't know we were like what are we gonna do you know and um so I decided to write about it and their response was insane it was like people were hungry for that honesty I think Mm -hmm. and so it, it allowed them to relate in a way that I don't think they thought they could before. And so it just sort of got me thinking about the way I was presenting my life. And I didn't want to be inauthentic in any way. And so I started sharing more about our struggles and um, realized through that that everybody's life is messy. We, I mean, we're all a hot mess on some level, whether we admit it or not. 
But this is still a beautiful life. Even and a lot of times that messy stuff, like if we if we allow it to, it can become part of our beautiful story. And so I just wanted to be honest and and start sharing that. So, so that's where the tagline. No, <laughs> no, I love it. And then the video that you saw at church, Jess, that yeah. was like that was where like the big, I mean kind of not the highlight of, of who you are, but like <laughs> This massive surprise that no one would yeah. expect. Yeah, I was I was really like kind of just taken aback because I didn't expect that given like how you present your life. And it was just such a testimony to everything that you were going through. Yeah, yeah so tell us. This is like so, the realest thing that yes. you write about. Um, and I do. I share about this regularly. F- um, four and a half-ish years ago... I was having some just weird physical issues and so I started going to see a neurologist and it they couldn't figure out what was wrong. So then I started going to see another one. It just became one of those ongoing tests and doctors and a very frustrating but scary time in my life. And then through the craziest um, events, I was able to get in with one of the top neurosurgeons in the country. And um, I had actually been told it'll be a six month waiting list when I called Mayo Clinic to try and see him. And so we called a doctor friend who worked there, completely different area, but he said, I'll see what I can do. And the next day they called me and said, this doctor can see you. And so, um, and we had been praying like, okay, please let us be able to get some answers. Because when you're going through physical issues and you just don't know, all you want sometimes is just the answer. How did you know to even start looking into, like, you knew it was like a brain issue? or So the um, the neurologist that I initially saw did some scans. And she was like, I see something. I'm not sure what it is. Something's not right. I was not um, comfortable with the way that she was approaching the situation but we knew something was going on with them were you having like just weird symptoms my hands and feet were going numb that's what initially started it and it was just kind of weird they would i would just be sitting there and my hands would start so did you even think to yourself that it was related to anything up here at first where you're just kind of like this is just a weird thing well i have um i had a cousin who had ms and one of his first symptoms was tingling in the limbs Mm. And I, rem- as soon as it started happening to me, I remembered that and thought, okay, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go and mm-hmm. see what's going gotcha. on. So that was okay. what, that was what um, made me go ahead and, and go in. And so I got in with this doctor at Mayo, and he ran like maybe one test and then said, come on in. I want to talk to you. Immediately told us that, um, that I had a brain tumor. And... It was devastating news, of course, but it was also like I was just so relieved to have an answer, answer. as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> because your mind just goes to the worst. Of course. So I was thankful for a diagnosis. And then my question to him immediately was like, OK, so what do we do? Sir, I'm thinking surgery. Like, let's mm-hmm. get this out. And he said, well, if you were my wife and we had a two-year-old. We had a two-year-old at the time. I would tell you not to do anything. And we were like, what? <laughs> and he said, because of where it's located, um, it's a very sensitive area of the brain. And even to get in to see what type of tumor it is, is a really dangerous pr- procedure. Wow. So we left just kind of like, what? 
what what are we doing um i wanted to get it out of course or some some sort of treatment something and he said i want you to come back in for a scan in three months i think was what he told us and so that three months was so hard because like every time i'd get a headache i'm like it's you're paranoid (laughs) yeah something's wrong you know you just yeah but I really learned in that time that um, God was trying to teach me to trust him. And that is, you know, I am a fixer. I'm a see a problem, let's get to the bottom of it kind of person. And so that was really hard for me. So I went back in and um, there was no change. That was that's the that's the wording that they use. No change. And that's what you want, like, right? Like, yeah. Right. No growth is better than some growth. Exactly. Still there, but no change. And so um, then I started just having regular scans after that and just kind of realized that this was going to be the new normal. And he told me, the doctor told me that he has patients who have had tumors like this for 10 years that he's been seeing that have had no change. So I go back regularly for scans and... Um, Honestly, though, like I feel like it's a gift in a lot of ways, as completely nuts as that sounds. And I would have never said something like that before this. But it's taught me to just love my life and mm-hmm. to not be always looking for the next and the better and the what's next, but to just really enjoy today mm-hmm. and to enjoy my family and to not let the little things bother me. Things that I used to get so upset about are just kind of like meh. They don't show up on the radar anymore. And so I'm really thankful for that because it's really kind of changed the way that I approach life in general. Living day to day. Exactly. But even with you being that kind of person who's like, let's like, let's get a plan together. Like, let's do something for the future. Like, do you, I mean, you have like, as obviously, you know, a six-year-old son and a husband, like, do you plan for the future even though you don't really know what's going to happen? Yes. Yes. I think I, I think I plan just like anyone else would. However, there are some things that I do I have learned to take one day at a time instead of worrying? For instance, this is so, um, this is just such a basic, typical thing that a parent would worry about, but like school with our kid. Um, I don't know where he's going to middle school or, or where he's going next year. You know, we just kind of say we are where we are for now and we'll see what happens. So there are a lot of things that I have learned to just sort of let go of. Did your husband kind of have to change his mindset too to so that like the two of you were on the same page with this? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways uh, we're both in some ways a little bit controlling of um especially of like work and that sort of thing. And so we've just had to learn to release that cuz there's nothing we can do with this situation. And so it's been a really positive thing for both of us, I think. How was it for Kingston? So um, I had my last scan, I think in May, it was late spring. And that was the first time that we really kind of told him what was going on. We decided, I mean, going back to the only child thing, like he talks like he's 12, you know, he's just (laughs) sort of like a little, and we are very honest and open with him about a lot of things. And so we decided we were going to tell him that I was going in for a test. You know, we didn't get into it too much, but we said that um, that I have a brain tumor and we told him what that meant and that um, we were just going to trust God, just like we always have. Um, and I told him, you know, God's going to take care of mom no matter what. Like, I'm not scared. I'm not worried. But I wanted him to start seeing that we do have real problems and that we do have things that are out of our control. But that doesn't mean that we have to live in fear. 
it's it was sweet because when he actually went to the checkup appointment with us after my latest scan and I was a little apprehensive because I'm thinking you know I mean do we really want him in here when the doctor comes in and not knowing what he's gonna say but we decided we're just gonna be real again yeah we're gonna be real with him and so we prayed together before the doctor came in and um he was like mom are you worried I said no I'm not I just I know that I don't have to fear and we have started teaching him Bible verses and so we we did Joshua 1 9 which says have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not Mm -hmm. be afraid and so that was a great time to kind of remind him of that I think Um. it's easy to kind of throw the Bible at your kids you know I think like a lot of parents do that and I I don't want to do that with him I want to only um apply it when it makes sense to his life you know so that was a great opportunity well so then you started blogging about it what was the what was the response like after it was overwhelming it was um people were so kind and they really are people are good I mean we see so much bad but People are. They're kind. And they, um, a lot of them were very shocked, of course, and very supportive. I had a lot of people saying that they were praying for me, which meant a lot. And um, a lot of people wanted to share their own story. And I think that a lot of times we have to go first. We have to be willing to let the walls down and be honest with people. And then they feel like they can they can do it in return. They're not going to necessarily step up and and be the first to share struggles because it's kind of hard. It is. Oh yeah, I can it imagine. Is. I mean, it's, it's hard just for me to share a picture where like my hair is all out of place. <laughs> yeah. And, but for you, like you've got something way more serious, and it and it takes. I'm sure it took a lot for you to really consider how you were going to share the story if you wanted to share it at all. Yes. That makes sense. Yes, and I <clears throat> I think that going through this has also led me to want to encourage other women specifically to share their story whatever it is we all have a story and a lot of times they're birthed out of struggle um the struggle doesn't have to define us and it doesn't stop with the struggle our story kind of begins a lot of times yes but it, it allows other people to relate and to just kind of say somebody else is going through that awesome it makes you feel like you're not alone exactly and it's like it's it's, it is kind of weird how like the worst parts of our lives can kind of bring us together yes but that's it's like we're humans you know we have flaws bad things do happen and at least we know that there's like a little community right that we all know we're going through the same thing and you have those people to lean on yes and I feel like with women specifically there is so there's so much um Uh, Like, we kind of feel like we have to keep up a pretense with each other. There's a lot of competitiveness. You girls know what I'm talking about. And and so encouraging them to be more honest is just really become a passion of mine to to tell people that somebody needs to hear your story. Even if you think it's insignificant, somebody's gone through that, um, you know, struggle health wise or if it's something career wise, like there's something universal about the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. And I just think it's important that we are honest about it. I keep saying honest. But, <laughs> but I mean, but that's it. it. Like, that's it. But do you think there's like a line of oversharing? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. So that was one of the reasons that I didn't share because I was in the beginning because I wasn't sure how to do it 
and not be negative Nancy. You know, like not I, I knew I didn't want to complain because that's not that's I don't really do that. But I just wasn't sure how to do it without bringing everybody down, you know, and I think sometimes it takes time for you personally to get past that dark place when you're going through something hard then you can kind of talk about it in a, in a kind of like how Selena like, Gomez waited all in t- all the way up until last week to, to tell, tell us she about got a kidney transplant right, and it happened over the summer crazy. you know yeah. sometimes it just takes until you are ready yeah. and you know how to say it and you're ready to present it to the world right how long did you wait I started talking about it um pretty early on but I just I I was ready, I think. You have to be in the right frame of mind, the right headspace. I don't mean to backtrack too much, but a couple of things I've been wondering this like whole time we've been sitting here talking about it is if they were to operate on the spot, like it what would it affect? Balance. That's the biggest the biggest thing. It's it's in the part of the brain that affects your balance. And so I've never asked specifically like if if I have the surgery, what will my life look like after that? But when he said, when the doctor said, if we had a toddler, I wouldn't advise my wife to have this. That To me, that meant quality of life will be different. Yes. Yes. And so you, I, you were just like, you know what? I'm not going to ask right, anymore. I, <laughs> I still don't know. You know, a lot of people, when they have a diagnosis, they investigate I mean they want to know everything and I get that <laughs> I would be like that I don't want when I was pregnant with my little boy I didn't read any books we didn't do any classes I didn't want to know like I'm just I'm along what? for the ride <laughs> that's just what, what? <laughs> no I need to know Listen, everything about childbirth you, no they tell you the worst stuff that's what I need and to know don't. I need to be ready <laughs> I got a play-by-play of my my, my best friend's last pregnancy and no. I was like nope I'm out. No. That sounds See? disgusting. See? I'm and out. I felt like, okay, if I don't know, then I don't know. <laughs> they don't tell you the practical things that you need to know about childbirth. You girls, you call me. I will tell <laughs> you. I know too much already. I don't need to know anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm not certain what life would look like after surgery. I'm just um, pretty sure it would be different. Yeah. And you're okay with not knowing. Yeah. Until I need to, I think. Yeah. That's, and that's so different. But that's part of, I, you know, I, I always say I'm a different person now. And I, I feel like I'm a different person in every way. And that's one of the ways. I don't need to know anymore. I like that perspective. And not having to just overthink everything. Yeah. And not having to know all the answers all the time. Sometimes it's okay to just go, you know what? Well, I don't really need to know. And I feel like you, your faith plays a big part in Obviously, that. Obviously, yeah. yes. And there's a lot of that. I know I'm not in control on some level. Like, I know that I'm not. You know, things happen to us, period, right, that we can't control. And this has taught me that on a deeper level, I think. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, let it go. What a crazy story. Sing. Like, I, I feel sing. like this isn't real. Like, this is such a crazy, to, like, we're looking at you right now. And, and no Lindsay looks no, healthy. Right. Lindsay's got amazing skin, by the way. Oh, wearing and, a like, super cute hat. Right, yeah. <laughs> really freaking cute. Two layers of makeup. Let me be honest. <laughs> two inches of makeup. But, like, she's so, like, vibrant and youthful. And, like, you would never You're think so that sweet. she has a brain tumor. And she's been living right. with it for years. Yes. And that's another thing that I've learned is we 
have to be kind to people because mm-hmm. we don't know what they're dealing with, guys. Like we people don't always look sick. They don't look depressed. Mm-mm. They don't look a lot of the things that we deal with. I just shared something on our yeah, butt first our, brunch page yeah, t- today. Um, it was uh, Chester Bennington, yeah, the front man from Lincoln Park. Because his wife just shared like a video of right, it was the day before mm-hmm. that he ended his life and they were playing a game with like jelly beans, having a good time. And, and she put it out because she was like, I just want people to know like, he was smiling here. Right. He was yeah, happy Depression here. has many faces, many emotions. Exactly. So you never know what somebody is going through. No. No. And we should treat people with kindness no matter what. But knowing that is is a motivator on another level, I think, just mm-hmm. to be kind and loving and positive and to look look at the good. That's, I think that's definitely important, especially now where it's so easy to find the negative things and yes. people love complaining just because they like their voice being yes. heard and finding, I think that's, that's a really good It's like a new national pastime, complaining. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry, baseball. We're going to eat boiled peanuts and complain. Right. Just going to sit here and complain. <laughs> well, Lindsay, uh, thank you so much for thank coming. You yes. Thank you I really appreciate it. This is fun. We love you. <laughs> Welcome we'll back have to anytime. do crafts. Can we do, can we do yeah. crafts together soon? Yeah, let's just do crafts. Crap. It's gonna be a video. A dot is yeah. a lot. <laughs> what a great line. I didn't follow that rule, but good for Kingston. Anyway, so thank you for listening and uh, sharing all of our episodes of But First Brunch. We put out new episodes every other Sunday on our free iHeartRadio app and iTunes. I'm Catalina, and you can follow me everywhere except my house. <laughs> that's weird. At Catalina on air. And I'm Jessica. Still no cute tagline. <laughs> So thanks for listening. I'll be back. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Okay, bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.